0: All right, MMA on the Rocks. As always, my name is Bill, here again with Jeff the Animal Wilson. We're sandwiched in between Bellator 160 and UFC Fight Night on Fox 21. We got a lot going on with fighters kind of in limbo between organizations. Uh, But how are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing well. You know, it's been a rough week, but it's Saturday. I'm having a beer. I'm feeling good. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I mean, nothing can take away the the ills of a bad week like a nice cold beer right this is certainly true (laughs) all right we'll get into what we're drinking in just a little bit but let's start with what's on top of my mind anyway which is the bellator 160 card which was fucking fantastic up until the co-main event where it just died off and i wanted to like this card so bad it was headlined by benson henderson who as we all know came came over from ufc was champion there was champion of WEC really thought to be one of the guys who would make a splash in Bellator and be one of their marquee guys but he's kind of coming up short um any any thoughts on on why that might be happening yeah I don't know I mean
1: Benson Henderson's been in the game for a while he's a really good fighter but I guess after that loss to Rafael dos Anjos I think his head just isn't in the right place And I think it's going to take a while for him to get there, especially after his
0: last loss to Bellator's welterweight champion. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who I feel like is super talented, but really kind of got by on his athleticism over the years. And it did well for him, but then I also feel like he's a guy, because he's so athletic, he gets into the habit of possibly overtraining, which we're seeing... You know, be the demise of a lot of fighters as they as they get into their mid thirties, um, and, and he's the kind of guy where if he loses, he's right back in the gym as soon as possible, and he's training hard like right up until his fights. So maybe that has something to do with the fact that he, you know maybe he's falling short in in his last couple of fights. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, we discussed it on a previous episode about overtraining. I think it was when we talked about Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. And the first fight when, you know, leading up to it, Diaz didn't really have a camp and that seemed to be to his benefit. But with Henderson, I think you're right in the athleticism and his technique. Because I feel like his wrestling is okay, his grappling is okay, his striking is okay, but he doesn't stand out
0: in any one area. Well, he's very well-rounded and that's always played to his benefit. He does come from a wrestling background. The guy has like monster thighs for a 155 er Um, but last night he was headlining the Bellator card against uh, Patricio Pitbull who was moving up in weight from 145 to 155 to fight Benson Henderson this is a fight that Ben Henderson should have put him away easily and I know Patricio had some personal motives as to why he was moving up because Michael Chandler the 155 pound champion knocked out his brother and patricio is looking to get revenge so he thought if he got through ben henderson that he would be able to get a shot at michael chandler which you know they had michael chandler awkwardly there at the weigh-in standing in between them with a belt which i i don't understand like some of the gimmicks that bellator does they're very they're very wwe-esque in their promotion, definitely, and I know, I know Dana White and the UFC obviously take a lot of pages out of Vince McMahon's books when it comes to promotion, and they should because the WWE has set up a perfect marketing model for for combat sports entertainment, um, even though they're more on the entertainment side. And there's a there's, pi- a-, there's a pigeon <laughs> that is just holy f- shit. We're recording, <laughs> in- so we're recording in a park. Oh, we're good. outside, and I have the car door open. And a pigeon just landed on top of the door. So that was kind of exciting. Uh, he must have smelled some of this delicious uh, Sierra Nevada beer that we're drinking. But I'll get to that in a second. These pigeons have balls on them, dude. They're thirsty pigeons. And I don't blame them because it's hot out here. And and nothing cures that like an ice cold beer. But like I was saying, uh, Patricio Pitbull moving up in weight. This is a fight that Benson Henderson should have h- handled easily. And it was slow. Very slow, nothing happened in the first round pretty much they oh, hardly yeah. they hardly touched each other um, and, and the fight ended unfortunately, where there was there was a grappling exchange. They got back up to their feet, and I know you don 't remember what happened because
1: uh, yeah, I ended up falling asleep during that fight, so yeah,
0: and i don 't blame you I, I I actually said on Twitter yesterday that the best fighters in Bellator are the fans who fought to keep themselves from falling asleep during that main event it was awful it was really an awful fight it was it it was not entertaining and i wanted to like it so bad i i was not excited about it i kind of forced myself to stay up and watch it it was a friday night i was kind of tired but i was like no i'm going to like this fight (laughs) and i was disappointed but they, they were in a grappling exchange they got up and it turns out that patricio actually broke his fibula Oh, wow. So that's the uh, shin bone, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they showed an x-ray online, and it, you know it's definitely broken. I don't know how it broke exactly, because they were in a grappling exchange. They stood up. Patricio turned his back. And like I always say, once a fighter turns his back, that's when the fight should be stopped. No questions asked. Uh, good refereeing there. Yeah. So they stopped the fight right away, and uh, Patricio said, you know, my leg is broken. I can't continue, which... You know, you got to admire. We we all know Patricio Pitbull is a tough fighter, uh, and I don't blame him for for taking himself out of that fight with a broken leg.
1: Yeah, and uh, credit to Benson Henderson for being a good sport. You know, he didn't throw any punches once um, Pitbull turned his back to him. But I agree, good call on the ref, who I believe was Big John McCarthy. I think, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so good call on his part to stop the fight. But you know, aside from that fight being boring. And the co-main event was also super boring. I don't know who was in it. Uh, I'll tell you in one second. Yeah. Um. Let's pull that up. Yeah. But leading up to that, the first
0: three fights were really, really good. Yeah. So let's let's breeze over that co-main event real quick because, I I didn't really know either of these guys going into it, but you know from their from their highlight reel, I have to say Bellator does do a good job with the video production. Yeah. You know they 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 splice together some good highlight reels for these guys and. You know, they have the big screen going and they have the lit up ramp with the guys' nicknames and everything. So this coming event, Derek Anderson and Saad Awad. Yes. Um, this was a sloppy fight. Oh yeah. Um it some could consider it exciting because they were kinda slinging. they were tossing each other around a little bit. Uh Derek Anderson coming away with the unanimous decision victory, but overall not the most technical fight not very experienced guys i'm a little baffled as to why this was a co-main event when you had you know some more notable fighters on the undercard um but yeah i just very lackluster for me not you know professional mma quality not what you want to be seeing out of a fight card uh what are your thoughts on this yeah that fight was
1: super boring i don't know what happened or who won because I think I was running around in the kitchen doing something because mm-hmm. I was just so bored with this fight. But enough about that. The three fights before it were phenomenal. Um before that we had Georgie Karakanian, I believe you pronounce it.
0: Versus yeah, is, Bubba that's Jenkins. a tough one. I'm usually a stickler for pronouncing fighters' names. But Caracan, <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, so he fought Bubba
1: Jenkins. And if you guys follow Bellator, I don't, but the highlight reel showed this. They
0: have fought before. And Jenkins tapped out to a guillotine. It was a almost like a standing guillotine not not that uh not that uh Georgie was standing but Bubba was standing and um Georgie kind of pulled pulled guard almost while while Jenkins was still standing and kind of cranked his head down and and choked him out that way. Um, did, I think this finish was even quicker yeah. than the last time they fought so Jenkins out to get revenge and and Bubba Jenkins a uh, uh, you know a popular fighter in the Be- in the uh, Bellator circuit um looking to get revenge here but uh you know Georgie boy took it to him
1: yeah yeah he knocked him out in the first round I don't know how fast it was but it was pretty fast and you know it was definitive as well and you know it was it was a good fight that was really exciting and the fight before that was
0: super exciting, too. Uh, AJ McKee versus Cody Walker. Yeah, before we get, before we get into that, though, I want to still touch on the Bubba Jenkins fight. Because Bubba Jenkins is a guy who they're looking to, to have as, as one of the faces of the company. Which, I, And don't get me wrong, I don't want to pick on Bellator because I really want to like them. I feel like competition is good for the sport of MMA. I really believe that you need to have another organization that's giving a little bit of competition because it makes a better atmosphere for the fighters, and then that competition is going to increase the fighter wages, and we're going to see more exciting fights down the line. Now, Bubba Jenkins is a guy who has been you know, a staple of the Bellator fight scene, and he missed weight by a lot. So oh, how much was it? What like
1: four pounds or something?
0: Uh, it was a significant amount to, to the point where, you know, they had to agree to a catch weight. Oh, and, okay. And Georgie said, you know, let's do this anyway. And I, I'm not sure if Bellator has the same stipulations as UFC, where you get 20% of the guy's purse. Um, we'll, we'll have to look into that. If anybody knows, let us know on Twitter at MMA on the Rocks. But. Yeah, so he missed weight, which which is a big deal. I mean, you you want to have a professional organization. You're trying to compete with the UFC. You can't have, you know, rudimentary mistakes like this. I understand shit happens, you know, you get injured, your diet's your diet gets thrown off, you like you can't you can't train properly and he missed weight, but um he was real he's coming in really heavy and he, and he looked really heavy. So he he obviously didn't do the preparation there. But um so, and again, I really don't want to pick on Bellator. I want them to succeed, and, and I want to see these fighters um, make a name for themselves. And we'll get a little more into that a little bit later. But let's jump to this next fight, which was uh, AJ McKee and Cody Walker. Now, Cody Walker was a late replacement in this fight. I don't know if you're aware of that or if you were following like the, the kind of pre-fight talks for that. No, I was actually unaware about that. Okay, so like I said, Bellator impressive with the video production. Where they put together the highlight reels. So I wasn't too familiar with Cody Walker either, but he's had some very impressive uh, head kick knockouts. So obviously a legit striker. AJ McKee, also a very legit striker, decided to take this fight to the ground, was working ground and pound. He tried a couple of submissions, didn't work. And he's a smart fighter. He has great hip movement on the ground. Um, you know, it looks like he's got some wrestling or, or high-level jiu-jitsu. The way he he pushes his hips into his opponent and controls with the hips, you can usually tell, you know, that's that's a pretty dead giveaway to to high-level jiu-jitsu training. And uh, he was able to put Cody Walker away handily. Yeah, with a really nice guillotine, which
1: stemmed from that hip movement you were talking about. Um, because he ended up on top of Cody Walker, too. Which um, is pretty effective. Mm -hmm. And also one card, because we have the card pulled up on our phones actually. And one card that, one fight, I'm sorry, that is missing from here is Lyoto Machida's older brother, Chinzo Machida. Who got a, excuse me, a, and uh, was Chinzo Machida who got a Machida-like knockout. With a highlight knockout, dude. Yeah. That was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, so they call him... And on Twitter, I noticed you you commented on people calling him Little Machita even though he's older. <laughs> yeah, he's 39. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that may be because of its size. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what what weight class was that. It was, it was definitely a lighter weight class. It was class. 155, 170, I, somewhere. I, I, I'd guess somewhere around so, that. So, uh, definitely... I guess he's the smaller brother, but um much more aggressive than Leoto. He doesn't have that kind of laid back karate style waiting for the opening. He he was looking to kind of make his own openings and he found it. And um impressive knockout. Um I'd say overall on the card, the the person I most want to keep an eye on is AJ McKee. Mm. Uh, he impressed me the most out of all the fighters on this card. I would really like to see him fight against some top competition. Uh, nothing against Cody Walker. You know, stepping up last minute. You have to respect the guy. He's obviously got some legit skills. Um, you know, the problem with Bellator has always been in each weight class, they have a couple of guys in the top two or three, and then the, the rest of the fighter pool. <coughs> Dude, I'm so sorry. i <laughs> I'll let her do it. Okay. I know when you're good. I'm good. <clears throat> the rest of the fighter pool gets a little weak after you get past that top two or three. But they're starting to sign some bigger name fighters. I know they're offering, you know, a little bit bigger paychecks than the UFC is offering. So let's kind of get into that. Um, and because, you know, they, they try so hard to sell these fights. And like I said, they follow the WWE model and they try to build beef between these guys. They had... Um, you know Michael Venom Page last night promoting his fight against who knows I don't remember because the guy had no personality and they had them square off and I know the fights in November in San Jose sometime but I and I'll, I'll be excited to see Michael Venom Page fight again because he's very charismatic he's a very explosive fighter obviously he crushed Cyborg's face in his last fight yeah. which was w- one of the most brutal knockouts if not the most brutal knockout I've ever seen I mean he, Crush the skull, but you know, he's his charisma is like a 12 on a scale of 10, and then you know, you have the guy talking to a wet mop, yeah. And it, you know, how do you sell a fight that way? This is true,
1: but I, you know, Michael Venom Page <clears throat> personally, I feel like he kind of took that promotion on his back because I don't know if you saw, but um, when he was promoting the fight, he gave his opponent
0: a helmet, mm-hmm. like a hockey helmet. Yeah. Um so you know you got you got to like the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's cute. He's got the props and everything. He's like he's like a carrot top in there <laughs> with yeah. a with a prop comedy and he puts some thought into it. But you know, he can only carry the promotion so far. And, and eventually they're going to have to put him in there for the title and then who do you have him fight against? The the answer could be Rory McDonald, which is the next thing I want to get into. Bellator Um, which has been very popular in the MMA community, just signed Rory McDonald to a big deal. And there was a lot of talk about him being a free agent after his fight, his last fight with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And Rory McDonald, smart on his part, smart business move, held off on signing an extension because what the UFC typically does is before your last fight on the contract, they'll get you to sign an extension. And guys will typically do it because if they lose their next fight, they're not as marketable. Not that they don't have confidence in their skills, but if they lose that fight, they're not going to be as marketable. And that... Oh, wait a second. Fucking A.
1: <laughs> you guys won't hear this, but there's like this dude outside, and he's... Talking in Spanish <laughs> I mean I You guys haven't seen me yet But I'm Latino
0: <laughs> But he's just
1: saying Nothing right now
0: Fair criticism uh, I'm not gonna go there Cause I am not Latino <laughs> yeah, You guys have seen me <laughs> This won't make air So it's fine If you could tell From my avatar It might You know Sometimes I leave This shit in Um. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, um hold on I gotta cough uh, yeah, <clears throat> While you're coughing Why don't you Pass me another beer
1: Yeah sure I mean, we're going to edit this out anyway. Yeah. There you go, sir. Dude, I am in all serious. Oh, thank you. Can I keep one of these caps? Yeah, keep them off. Okay. I'll, like, turn them into a Mm -hmm. fucking language arts project.
0: So, like I was saying, we had a, a quick disruption that you're not gonna hear because I edited it out. But we are recording in public here, um, so uh, I'm trying out a different couple of different scenarios. So we're actually sipping some beers in the park here. But like I was saying, guys will sign the extension with the UFC because if they lose that next fight, it's not a lack of confidence, but you know they could lose a close decision, something like that. They're not gonna be as marketable, so they're afraid that you know they're not gonna be able to get that price tag that they're looking for. Roy McDonald held out, which has been a trend with fighters lately. They hold out. They don't sign the extension. And then they play play the free agent market a little bit, which in the past has been you either get the contract with the UFC or you don't eat.
1: Yeah. And going back to that, you know, Bellator must be offering him a good chunk of money for him to even sign with them. And, you know, Roy McDonald, awesome guy, awesome fighter, but... We discussed in his la- in the last episode that, you know, his nose hasn't been able to hold up too well. But like you said, I'm glad that Bellator is offering him so much more money because then, you know, the UFC is kind of becoming a monopoly where they've bought out Pride and Strike Force. You know, that's stuff that I W-E-C. enjoy WEC. That's stuff I enjoyed watching besides the UFC. And, you know, now they're they bought up all these companies. They're letting a lot of those guys go you know, in place of their guys. So it's, it's hard, man, to, to find good MMA. So I'm glad
0: Bellator is, you know, making some competition for them. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, unfortunately I don't think they're succeeding. And like I said, I hate to keep criticizing Bellator because I do want to see them succeed. I do want to see some competition against the UFC. I don't feel like signing Rory McDonald the way they did will do that. And I'll, I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. He lost his last two fights. Granted, they were wars. Rory McDonald is a warrior. I I think there are a couple of other guys ranked above him. I think a lot of people still rank him like number three or four in the welterweight division. I I happen to disagree with that. And I know I might catch some flack for this, but uh, I really have to get this point across. Rory McDonald is a fighter's fighter, and he's a hardcore fight fans fighter. He is not the marquee fighter that's going to sell pay-per-views. He's just not. Um, You know, you could show his highlight reel. You could show all the blood in his fights. You you could show how tough he is. Um, The the guy doesn't have the personality to sell fights. Uh, And he has a great personality. He's actually very funny. If you get him Open and talking in a free form conversation, much like we're doing now. I've seen him on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's got a great sense of humor. He, it's very dry, but when you put him in the spotlight, he doesn't have that appeal that draws people in. He doesn't have that Chuck Liddell, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey like he doesn't have that aura about him. So, Bellator signing him for big money, which is great for him great for the sport that these guys can make more money but signing him coming off of two losses and then you bring him out at Bellator 160 and you try to hype him up and he's like oh yeah to be honest I came here because I got a great deal and an offer I couldn't turn down and I'm not only gonna dominate the welterweight division I'm gonna go to middleweight and I'm gonna dominate there and He tried, but, like, it just was not working. What did you think when they brought Rory out last night?
1: Yeah, you know, I was excited to see Rory McDonald, but, you know, he, like you said, he's just, he doesn't have that it factor. And it's not his fault. You know, he's a great fighter. He's fun to watch. Absolutely. I've seen him in a few interviews. And if you were to talk to him you would never guess that he was a fighter. Just yeah. just by like his tone and his the way he carries himself. Yep. I I thought he was like a if I ever met him in person and I didn't know he was a fighter, I would think that he's like kind of a math nerd or something.
0: Yeah. Not to insult him. V- very intelligent guy, very hard worker, and you know, we know he's coming from good stock. He's coming from that Tri-Star gym up there in Montreal. Rossahabi so you know he's getting you know the top level training and maybe GSP making a comeback is a reason that he kind of bowed out of the UFC uh, I feel like that hasn't been talked about sorry I feel like that hasn't been talked about but um that that might be because GSP is talking about a comeback he'd be coming back at the same weight class as his teammate Rory so Rory's coming off two losses in the UFC he's getting offered this big money deal from Bellator Do you think GSP coming back may have played a factor in Rory crossing over to the Bellator fight scene? I don't think so.
1: I mean, yeah, GSP's a great fighter, and I'm excited to see him fight again, but... Sorry, I had a burp. But, you know, GSP... Okay, but, you know, GSP is, you know, he's been talking for, like, a year that he's coming back. He looks great in the pictures I've seen on Facebook and Instagram and everything. Right. But I'm like, you know, when is he going to come back? Who is he going to fight? So I don't know if that has too much to play with Rory McDonald's leaving. Yeah. I mean, I would think that the money and I think just his record, like you said, he has two losses in his previous two fights. One was for the title, and he's had a few title shots already. Okay, maybe just one. But, you know, I I just, like you said, I don't see him doing much in the UFC. And also, like you said, he's not too marketable, unfortunately. Yeah. So I feel like there's, there's so many variables that to condense it to just GSP coming back is a little... Uh, I'm not... I don't agree with that too much. Yeah.
0: Well, the and I agree with you, I I don't completely I'm not completely convinced that GSP is going to come back because you've been talking about it for so long, but the point I was trying to make was that, you know because they're teammates and Rory, and if GSP is telling Rory like, hey, I'm coming back I'm going to be at welterweight, obviously he's going to be put in right at the top of the mix, Rory's already at the top Mm -hmm. of the mix Um, you know, so that opens an opportunity for them maybe to possibly fight each other do you think that played into Roy's decision to move over to Bellator so he could avoid because if if GSP comes back you know he he's gonna be staying away from that title shot for a long time granted Roy is very young he's what 24 now
1: yeah 24 25 super
0: young came in the UFC at like 19 I think super stud, super well-rounded true mixed martial artist. He's he's part of this new breed of fighter who comes in that's not a jujitsu guy, he's not a striker, he's not a wrestler, which we've seen in the past. He's he's actually like brought up as a mixed martial artist and I would, I would classify him as one of the first who came up that way. Yeah. Um so He's not going to see the UFC title for a long time. I feel like that might have played into his decision a little bit to to kind of bow out. Uh, two losses in a row, and then you you have you know Murderer's Row at welterweight right yeah, now, yeah. especially with uh, Wonder Boy, and then uh, Cowboy look, looks like he's going to stay. Yeah, and then you've got you know Carlos
1: Condit, Demian Maia, which we will speak about later. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And when you put it that way, in that um, Roy McDonald's gonna kind of get pushed out of the picture, then I can see that GSP is coming back, yeah, or at least that looming thought would probably influences the decision a bit as well
0: yeah and what I touched on also and I actually wrote an article about this recently is Cowboy Cerrone moving up to 170 which I personally believe he should stay at his trainer Greg Jackson thinks he should stay at Um, but you know he does have a win over the current lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez and it was a fairly dominant win so I could see him wanting to go back down to challenge for that title and that does give him a little bit of leverage there personally I'd like to see him stay at 170 and Cowboy and this wasn't talked about enough I feel like Cowboy after his last fight also held out on signing an extension and he was in talks with Bellator now Cowboy Cerrone is a guy who I feel like don't get me wrong I want to see Cowboy stay in the UFC and I want to see him stay at 170 but if he goes over to Bellator I'm tuning in every single time this guy fights and I feel like that's the kind of fighter bellator needs to be signing to accomplish Mm. what they're setting out to do Mm. you got to get a guy who's marketable who's out there who's on social media who's drawing in the you know the casual fan who's not just a fighter's fighter who's not just a mainstream fans fighter who's you know he he pulls in all audiences um but he did end up signing an eight fight contract with the ufc what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I definitely agree. And I was even thinking earlier when you were talking about what the what Bellator is trying to do here, that, you know, you can definitely hit the nail on the head. They need someone who is marketable. Who's a little out there, and Cowboy Cerrone? He's so cool, man. He's got a few screws loose. I love that about him. (laughs) You know, he's he's a he's a fighter's fighter. You know, he will fight anybody any day. If the UFC gave him a contract to fight in the parking lot we're in right now, he would do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of his appeal. And you know, he he just has that personality. He's very real. He's very honest. He's very open. Um, He's very brash. Which you know uh, it is attracting to people, and we're actually we're actually watching somebody in front of us right now, and I'm totally gonna leave this in, who's trying to wash his car. It looks like a Toyota Highlander. He's trying to wash his car with with bottled water.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm like pointing at it. and I'm like, dude, what are you? You're
0: wasting perfectly good water. You could drink that water. <laughs> And, I mean, a, a case of water, case of bottled water probably costs the same amount as a car wash. <laughs> I mean, it might be cheaper, actually. <laughs> Maybe. So, but unless he's got
1: some soap in that car as well, he's he's looking at a loss. I'm calling that a loss.
0: Yeah, but this kind of ties into what we're talking about. You know, there's good and bad decisions that you make with money. And, <laughs> and you know, washing your car with bottled water, probably a, a bad decision financially. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone signing with the UFC. Uh, a good decision financially because he has a good rapport with them. They promote him. They take care of him. Um, and there, there's not really a lot of fights for him in Bellator, unfortunately. As much as I would like to see that, there there just isn't. Um, but since we've kind of digressed back to the UFC, let's talk about the Fight Night 21, Fight Night on Fox 21 card coming up tonight, which. I know you weren't too aware is a pretty stacked card for a free fight night. Yeah, I was a little
1: surprised at the fights on here. And I don't want to get too much into the um, prelim card, but the main card is pretty stacked. Even when you were telling me about it, I was like, dude, that's on there? Yeah. And um, one of the first fights on the main card is Sam Alvey versus Kevin Casey. And Kevin Casey was actually on a season of The Ultimate Fighter. I yep. believe he was on the season where Ronda and Misha Tate coached. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, he either got injured and had to leave the competition, or someone else got injured and he they picked him to replace that injury. But Kevin Casey, you know, he's a he's a serious fighter, you know. He's good, he's pretty well rounded, he's more of a wrestler, but I feel like yeah. he's
0: had enough time to work on his striking. And get that up yeah striking is a little stiff um, Sam Alvey coming off a loss fairly recently I want to say he fought uh, uh, about a month ago and, and lost a fight there um, and this this fight doesn't do much for me to be honest uh, these are guys who you know I kind of follow their careers casually I can't point out a big win or a big loss for either of them I, I can't really pick a winner in this one it's it's like a flip-a-coin scenario for me. Um, do, you, do you have any kind of thoughts in, in terms of that? No, I was just trying to hype it up because it's the first fight on the card. But... All right, yeah. <laughs> it's the first fucking fight. Smiling Sam Alvey versus <laughs> Kevin something or other Casey. <laughs> <And> uh,
1: <laughs> all right, don't worry, guys. The card is going to—it gets better. Now, the next fight is a rematch of that we're both really excited for. Um, Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon, too. And, you know, both really good grapplers. Both pretty well-rounded. But, you know, I feel like grappling is their strong point. So, what do you think, Bill? Do you think we're going to see more of a standing fight? Or do you think they're both going to want to go to the
0: ground and see what they can do? Well, this is a fucking fight. And both of them coming off very impressive victories. I'd say more so Joe Lozon. um, Because he just starched Diego Sanchez at UFC 200. I think by far the most impressive performance on that entire card as much as it was built up and this this fight was on the prelims and Lozon just had him knocked out up against the cage and Diego was just stiff as a board and Lozon was like motioning to the referee like what do you want me to do and he just kept punching him in the face and and Sanchez was out on his feet and we know how tough Diego Sanchez has never been finished uh such a such an impressive victory for Joe Lozon there and and really speaks to his boxing skills which you know he's known as a submission artist he's got I don't know how many submission of the night bonuses and um going against Jim Miller who is also known for his submissions just submitted Takanori Gomi in his last fight which I think was at UFC 200. Yes. Okay, yeah, you're right. So they're both coming off of of big wins at UFC 200. Both uh, finished the fight in the first round, I believe. So uh, both of these guys have a lot of momentum coming into this. And they have the fact that they have, in my opinion, one of the greatest fights of all time under their belts. Oh, yeah. Which was Jim Miller versus Joe on 1. Yeah. And uh, Jim Miller coming away with the decision on that one. And that was a bloody fucking fight. Yeah,
1: that was a war. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm super excited for this one. Now, Bill, I have to go. I'm cheering for Jim Miller. He's a New Jersey boy, man. He's from <laughs> Sparta, NJ. I've been out there. They have a really nice water park out there. I forgot the name of it, but it's awesome. Yeah. And um, you know, who who do you have in this fight? Because I want Jim
0: Miller to win, but Joe Ozon is so tough that I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I could really pick a winner in this. Uh, I feel like Jim Miller, his key to success is always closing the distance and getting inside. He does have boxing skills that can hold up against, you know, high-level strikers. Uh, But, you know, Lozon is very long, very lanky. So the key to success for him is to kind of be on the outside, work his jab. And, you know, he's got a lot of confidence in his striking going into this. I feel like Joe Lozon kind of has to be the favorite. Um, because he does have the reach advantage. Mm. He's able to stay on the outside. He knows what Jim Miller's bringing. Jim Miller is looking to drag this to the ground and, and make it a, a gritty grappling match and, and land some ground and pound on you. So I, I feel like if Lozon can keep it standing, uh, although he does have some of the best jiu in the division as well, if he can keep it standing, I, I see this uh, going to Lozon either by TKO or, or decision, if he's able to keep it on the feet. But... You know, you can never count Jim Miller out. He's definitely a tough, gritty guy. If he could get this to the ground and work work his ground game, uh, I could see him coming away with this, too. I I would give a slight edge to Lozon in this fight, though.
1: Yeah, so, so hard to call. We'll find out later tonight. Okay, next fight is Paige Van Zandt versus Beck Rawlings. Paige Van Zandt just coming back from. I don't know how she did on Dancing with the Stars, but I don't fucking watch that show.
0: Yeah, I don't give a fuck either about Dancing with the Stars, and I I think it's great for the UFC. It's good exposure for the sport. Maybe it gets some people watching that wouldn't have watched otherwise. Um, I think she did pretty well. She does have a dancing background. That would explain her footwork. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, dancing does transition very well to MMA. I've heard Hmm. Eddie Bravo talk about this very frequently, where he has breakdancers come into his gym and, and they advance pretty quickly throughout the ranks because of the, the motions and the muscle memory involved in breakdancing. It translates very well to jiu jitsu, uh, and as we know, jiu jitsu translates very well to MMA. So, this could explain why Paige Van, Dan- Paige Van Zandt has seen some success. Um, She does not have an easy task in front of her. I know a lot of people are thinking that Paige is going to come in and this is going to be her comeback from Dancing with the Stars and she's got this in the bag. Listen, she's very well-rounded. She comes from a great camp out there with Team Alpha Male. Uh, Uriah Faber has a lot of confidence in her, which which says a lot. True veteran of the game. He knows how to spot talent at this point and, and he believes in her very much and... You know, even the hardcore fans are are picking Paige Van Zandt here. Beck Rawlings, no walk in the park for anybody. Definitely. I, I don't care. I don't care what you say. This this is one <laughs> tough chick. Yeah, I definitely agree with that.
1: Rowdy Beck Rawlings, which I Bill, I don't like Beck Rawlings because she took Ronda Rousey's nickname. It's a, <laughs> it's a stupid reason for me not to like her. But I can't take away from her toughness, man. She's a yeah. tough fighter. Yeah. She never gives up. And she was also on the ultimate fighter, Ronda versus Misha Tate. Mm-hmm. But um Paige Van Zant, you gotta remember, she's coming off a loss to Rose Nama yunus before she went on dancing with the stars. And I don't know, dude. I personally feel that Paige Van Zant is a little overhyped. uh uh-huh. Um, so I don't I can't really call this one, but I think I think she can beat Beck Rawlings, but beating her in the cage and in the octagon is a whole different story
0: once she's going to be standing in front of her. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, Jeff. Um, you know, she's definitely in the favorite. She's very well rounded, and she took a beating from Rose and Ami in that last fight, and yeah. it really showed Paige Van Zandt's toughness. I mean, she got out of some sick submissions, and it looked like she was about to get her arm broken a couple of times and she got bloodied up, and people watching that fight who don't know a lot about MMA were probably thinking, oh no, why is this pretty girl getting her face bashed in like this? But people like you and I are thinking, holy shit, this girl is really tough, Um and, and she is. She's very tough, she's very well-rounded, and I, I still think she has to be the favorite going into this fight, but Beck Rawlings, you can't really count her out because and and here's what I'll say is going to be the X factor here that I feel like is not being talked about a lot. Beck Rawlings has a lot more life experience. Mm. And I don't just mean that she's older. She's got a couple of kids. And she started her MMA career right after she had her firstborn. And wow. she just started doing it to stay in shape. And then she also had, was training while she was pregnant with her second child. Get out right up until she gave birth. She was training wow. and then got back in the gym, had an MMA fight 11 months after getting birth to her second child. Wow. So this is like a level of toughness that comes from just life. Not necessarily fight experience, but, you know, a, a younger fighter is not going to have the same life experience and the same kind of toughness. Now, we know Paige Van Zandt is very tough, Based on the way she was able to take that beating from Rose Namajunas and You know really stick it out and and she got submitted at the end of the fifth round in that fight But she really showed some mental and physical toughness there and she even said she was surprised with how much she had in her very impressive, but you know, then there's life beating you up and you know that life experience becomes kind of that x factor Mm. with fighters sometimes Uh, Paige is still very young i feel like she has a very bright future ahead of her um but you can't look past beck rawlings and i hope for Paige's sake she's not and she's taking this fight very seriously which i think she is but i think this is this is going to be a much tougher fight than people are projecting it to be
1: yeah i definitely agree with you on that uh also by the way i love the way you put it you know that life experience you know um, Paige Van Zandt, the world has not beaten her up yet. hmm So, and Beck Rawlings, she's been through that. She's had to crawl through the mud. Um, like you said, she's had to be a mom and a fighter at the same time. And, you know, all the credit in the world to all the moms out there, man. You guys do such an awesome job. <laughs> moms don't get a day off. You don't get sick days. And to be able to do that and still be a tough ass fighter, you know, all the respect in the
0: world to Beck Rawls. Absolutely. So let's give a cheers to the moms out there. Definitely. I'll and, drink uh, to that. What we're cheersing, actually, is a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. So I'm a big fan of Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. It's one of my go-to beers. And um just um the it, it kind of has like that light crispness of a of a pale that that you look for that's like very refreshing and um
1: he's still back there I wouldn't...
0: yeah So it has that light christmas and a pale ale that you look for um this is my first time trying the torpedo IPA what are your thoughts on it jeff you know, I it's really hoppy, um,
1: but I like that. Yeah. You know, there are certain beers that I I guess I'd say I prefer, but for my first time trying this, I'm enjoying it, and you know it's really refreshing on a hot
0: day like today. It's yeah. Really,
1: it's been a hot weekend.
0: Yeah, and you know we've been talking time after time about this trend with the IPAs—they're getting lighter. It's got a very very strong hop flavor, very piney, I would describe it as. So it's got that kind of like woodsy taste like this is a this is a beer you want to take with you when you go camping i feel like this this would be a great beer to have sitting around the campfire um or or sitting in a in a park in the middle of new jersey which is is what we're doing right now um but yeah sierra nevada one of my favorites their they're pale ale um it's one of my go-tos actually and uh I actually found out last time I went to Las Vegas that people from Nevada prefer it to be pronounced Nevada. Now, you always hear on the East Coast people saying Nevada. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually Nevada, and they're very emphatic about this. Really? I was unaware. I was talking to some locals while I was out there, and I said Nevada, and they were like, let me just correct you. It's Nevada. And they take it personally. They say when when politicians like people running for president come through and give speeches and they say Nevada they automatically lose the vote of the locals <laughs> nice so an interesting side fact but um great refreshing beer great IPA it's really you know hitting the spot after a long week yeah. so you know go check out Sierra Nevada that's Nevada not Nevada <laughs>
1: yeah i like that it's, <laughs> i like that it's called torpedo it Makes yeah. me think of ian thorpe who if you don't know who he is <laughs> He was an Olympic swimmer, and they used to call him the torpedo.
0: <laughs> I like to play on words there, right? But yeah, go pick up a Sierra Nevada um, Torpedo IPA if you're if you're looking to, uh, you know, find a nice refreshing beverage for the fights tonight. So let's move on to the co-main event, which is my man Anthony Pettis
1: versus Charles Oliveira. Who, if you know Charles Oliveira? He's a really good fighter. He's an awesome jujitsu guy. He's a legit black belt. And we've talked about people being non-legit black belts. Yeah. This guy's legit. And he's had some tough fights. I know he lost to Frankie Edgar. Um, but he's a really tough fighter. And Anthony Pettis, I mean, if you guys don't know who Anthony Pettis is,
0: this is probably your first time listening to this podcast. Yeah, if you Google probably, you know, MMA head kick, head <laughs> his uh off the cage head kick on Benson Henderson who we were talking about earlier and this was back in the WEC days right before the the merger with UFC when uh when Pettis came over as the champion um amazing fighter he's had kind of a rough streak at 155 pounds I I think he's dropped three in a row yeah, something like that. He's, he's He's been a little bit of a skid. So making the drop to 145 pounds, I got to say, though, the weight cut did not look healthy to me. I'm a little bit concerned about Showtime. But I'm also concerned about Charles Oliveira, who has a hard time making 145 pounds as well. So this could go one of two ways. This could be an exciting fight where we see you know a a big exciting finish whether a submission from Charles Oliveira or a knockout from Anthony Pettis in the first round or we could see these guys hanging all over each other because they have a hard time with the weight cut uh that's the two ways I I see this fight going I'm a big fan of both guys but you know I'm not a big fan of guys cutting a lot of weight because they're not having success at a particular weight class so I'm kind of torn about how I feel about this co-main event What what are your thoughts? Uh, I kind of agree with you. Neither of them looked too great um, at the
1: weigh-ins. But I am a fan of both guys. So it's hard to really um, call this one. Like you said, because of the weight cut, neither guy looked super great. But, I mean, they're both exciting fighters. Mm -hmm. I really hope that they put on the performance that lives up to what this fight can
0: be. Yeah, what they're capable of, for sure. So let's, uh, let's... Let's get to the main event which Fuck Flip a coin man Oh my god Bill I have such an erection
1: right now Because I see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you could tell.
0: <laughs> so, so Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was just a Sierra Nevada ca- <laughs> bottle cap in your pocket. <laughs> but now that you said it, I can see it.
1: <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> so Carlos Condit versus Demian Maya. And what I mean, what has not been said about these guys? Demi and Maya, such an awesome BJJ guy. He's probably got the best jujitsu at one hundred 70 pounds. Uh huh. And Carlos Condit, you can't sleep on his jujitsu either. He's got some good grappling, and you know, I, I feel like Carlos Condit also has an advantage in the striking department.
0: Yeah, a definite advantage in the striking department. I mean, Damian Maya is one of these guys, you know exactly what he's going to do. The question is, can you stop it? He's going to look to close the distance, he's going to try and get a body locking and, and drag it to the ground, and then once you're on the ground, you're in trouble. I don't care who you are. Uh, and his his last fight against Neil Magny, who is a very legit ground guy, he was dominated by Damian Maya for three rounds.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you see, here's my one issue with this fight. Carlos Condit, don't get me wrong, phenomenal fighter. He's the natural-born killer. Bill over here, he's the natural-born thriller. Um <laughs>
0: That nickname's still uh, up for debate.
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a couple. We'll, I'll, I'll run down the list a little bit later. But, um, <laughs> so, I mean, Carlos Condit, you know, the natural-born killer, he's an awesome fighter. But he doesn't always show
0: up. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, Carlos Condit, natural-born killer is a great nickname for him. The guy's got a 93% finish rate. So, he, when he wins fights, he fucking wins them he rarely goes to the decision i feel like in this fight and i, I don't like to make a lot of predictions on here um, not just because i want i don't want to look bad but <laughs> i like to give you know the points for for how each guy can be successful so for carlos condit i feel like if he can keep the distance mm-hmm. and work his striking and and maybe land a big knee when damian maya comes in for that body lock that's going to be his key to success, and either knock him out early or drag him into deep waters. Um, because Damian Maya does come down from 185, uh, he's he's had a lot of success at 170, but he, he's pretty big, so he's cutting a lot of weight. Drag him into deep waters there, and uh, you know you'll have a little bit more success with him on the ground. So those are the two ways I see Condit winning: either a big knockout or or dragging him into deep water, getting a TKO or getting a decision there. Obviously, the key to success for Maya is to get it to the ground as quickly as possible, keep it there, wear Condit down, and eventually submit him. Um, I see it going very similar to Damian Maya's fight with Matt Brown, who Matt Brown had a very similar advantage to Carlos Condit with the long reach and the Muay Thai. And uh, you know, once it went to the ground, he he wasn't able to to stop Damian Maya's jujitsu. So. I see it either being a KO or TKO by Condit, or you know rear naked choke by Damian Maya, who, as you said, very legit jujitsu, possibly the best in MMA. Uh, from what I hear, I haven't seen video of this, but rumor has it he actually submitted Gabriel Gonzaga wow. in an open weight jiu-jitsu contest, which, you know, that guy's. A fucking monster. Yeah. Heavyweight UFC fighter and, and Damian Maya submitted him. Um, so very legit. We know he used to train Anderson Silva which is why they had that very boring title fight where Damian Maya kept trying to take it to the ground and Silva knew not to go there because right. he knew what Damian Maya did to him in the gym. So those are the two possible scenarios I see there. Either way I say flip a coin. This could go either way I think this fight could have title implications down the line. It looks like the champion Tyron Woodley is going to be forced to fight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, But Thompson said that if Woodley doesn't want to sign on the dotted line, then he'll gladly take the winner of this fight, and I will gladly watch that fight. Agreed. Um, So, what are your thoughts on, on this fight, and what's the future of the welterweight division after this fight? Well, this fight for one uh I think you hit
1: it right at the I think you hit the nail on the head. Um you know, if, if it's Conde, it's probably going to be a finish and if it's Maya, it'll probably be some sort of amazing submission. Yeah. Um you know, both of those guys have advantages there and in terms of Tyron Woodley I'm excited to see him fight whoever they put in front of him. Like I said, I'm a fan of Tyron Woodley. I feel that he deservedly got his title shot. He deservedly won. But is it going to be a great fight with Wonder Boy? Probably not. I mean, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. But I don't know if it's going to be like a barn burner. I would have preferred to see him fight Nick Diaz.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wonderboy's fights, don't get me wrong, he's a great fighter. I don't think he's ever involved in barn burners. He keeps his distance. He lands those shots from the outside. He's very precise with his striking. It's very impressive. Um, You know, he's not like a killer, though. I mean, he's got some great finishes, but you don't think of him as that aggressive. I mean, he's very much a counter striker. Uh, he uses that karate background, and um, yeah, I mean, great fighter, but it doesn't—it doesn't really excite me. Right when, right. when he fights, and and I want—I want to be excited for it because I know he's the legit number one contender. Um, but he, you know, he's not a draw, and I think Tyron knows that. But at the same time, Tyron can't hold out for guys like GSP and Nick Diaz. He's got to. You know, if he's looking to make money, he's got to fight again soon. He can't take another, you know, 17-month layoff right. and then fight whoever comes along. Uh, he's got to defend that belt quick. You know, I think he feels like he has uh, a limited timeline left. Um, it seems to be consensus as well. But uh, either way, a very exciting division right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got Tyron Woodley as the champ, Wonderboy number one, uh, he's had a couple of nice uh, finishes in his highlight reel as well. And you've also got, you know, tonight's fight, Condit versus Demian Maia. That's an awesome fight that I'm looking forward to. And then you've got, you know, you've got your dark horses too. Kelvin Gastulum, for example. I like him. He's got a few really good wins at the welterweight division. Yeah. But he's got a hard time making weight too. So
0: we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, Um Gastelum looking great in his last performance. Um, what I would like to see for him, this is a fight I've really been pushing for, is uh, Cowboy Cerrone against Calvin Gastelum. I think that's a great matchup. I think that's an exciting fight. I think that boosts both of them up towards a title shot uh, fairly quickly, uh, regardless of who wins. Yeah. And I see that going a couple of different ways. I don't want to get too deep into it because, you know, it's potentially not going to happen. But you know that that's a possibility and all this excitement in the welterweight division means bad news for one person and that's Scott Coker who just signed Rory McDonald taking him away off of two losses from the UFC and you still have a stacked welterweight division in the UFC you do not have a stacked welterweight division in Bellator and we're gonna kind of tie this full circle especially because Roy McDonald is not eligible to fight, I believe, until the spring or the summer of 2017 because of his injuries to his nose. So,
1: You want to grab pizza after this? You can stop by my pizzeria. They're cool.
0: They might let us even, like, have the last beer there. So, not voting well for... Bellator, the fact that the UFC welterweight division is still so stacked. But, um, you know, exciting things on the horizon. I am looking forward to seeing what Rory does in Bellator uh, a year from now or whenever <laughs> whenever he's eligible to fight. <laughs> um, oh, man. But, you know, the welterweight division, the UFC is still very exciting. And a lot of big things coming up. There's going to be a lot of fun things to talk about, uh, a lot of fun beers and, and drinks to talk about. Um, any other kind of culminating thoughts here, Jeff? I mean, I'm excited for
1: this, for tonight's card. It looks so phenomenal. And, you know, going back to Bellator, if last night's card, aside from the co-main event and the main event, the first three fights were phenomenal. And if those three fights are a sign of what's to come, I'm excited to see where Bellator's going. You know, even though they don't have as
0: stacked a roster as the UFC. Yeah absolutely Uh, and i think it would be better for the sport if we did have some competition for a lot of reasons we could dive deeper into that another time um for now i'd rather dive deeper into this six pack of sierra nevada torpedo extra ipa so that's what we're sipping on as always let us know what you're thinking and drinking on social media at mma on the rocks instagram twitter facebook whatever you got mma on the rocks.com Reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts, your feedback, your opinions. We want to hear it. We want to talk about it. And uh, we'll probably be back with another episode tomorrow to break down this UFC Fight Night on Fox 21 card. Uh, If not, you know, it's probably because we got, you know, too drunk. But (laughs) on that note, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. This has been MMA on the Rocks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.